hey, uh, this is my first week back in about three weeks. I didn't expect the Lord to do this, but God does what he wants, when he wants, however he wants to. Um, so just want to give you guys a brief update. Got my girls in the back, my lady babies. Uh, all right. So three weeks ago, my awesome beastly wife, for those of you who are non-urban, that's a good thing. All right. That's a great adjective. She's a beast at uh, delivering babies. All right. Some of you need like, I need more of that definition. So when someone goes all out for something, they're a beast. All right. When they, when they uh, are like really, really, really good, they're a beast. Got it? Well, this is really, really good at uh, making awesome babies and, and uh, bringing them into this world. So Noel, Amelia, and J.L. Louise were born to us three weeks ago. And uh, would you give it up for my wife? Because uh, she's already here. She's looking as good as ever. And uh, Noel was six pounds, five ounces. JL was five pounds, 15 ounces. And they were um, just a few minutes apart. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you to everyone who stopped by, who texted, who called, who sent diapers, who brought meals. Oh, man, it does not go um, unnoticed. So I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Amen. God is good. Uh, we got some of your meals still frozen because uh, we want to keep them lasting as long as possible. So we wouldn't have been able to do it without you. I would have been eating uh, cheesesteaks every night. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's that. This is good news. But we also have news of somebody else from True Vine who had a baby. Um, besides Lonnie, which we announced here a couple of weeks ago. Um, this week, uh, Josh and Rachel Ellison, our friends who are in the Middle East, um, had this baby, Abilene Lydia Ellison, born on June 4th. She was nine pounds, somebody say nine pounds, six ounces, and 21.5 inches in length. So... Josh and Rachel are doing well. Little William, a.k.a. Chip, is well. Um, and they're um, representing True Vine and building the kingdom of God overseas, doing a great job. Amen? Uh, awesome. So God is good. Would you give it up for the Lord for healthy babies? All right. Jesus... Uh, we thank you, Lord, for, for life, that you are the giver of life, that you are the ones that knit us in our mother's womb. You are the one who gives us purpose and identity, Lord. And we bless the Ellisons right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, where they're at. And we declare blessing over them, Lord. And we declare blessing over Abilene, Lord. And we speak the love of God over their lives. We, sp we declare provision, Lord, over them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In case you want to reach out, to them on Facebook or something like that. Remember, we uh, don't really, you know, um, we use coded language. So we stay away from Jesus and pray and stuff like that because in the, the nature of their work um, in that part of the world. 
Um, we want them to be safe. So be nice and just encourage them. Just use regular words. Uh, got that? All right. Amen. All right. So now I want to preach this morning. We're in the middle of a Nehemiah series. If you're uh, new to True Vine or if you're visiting us for the first time in a while, um, from time to time we do books series. We've done so far the book of um, 1 Corinthians we did. That, that lasted a few months, probably about nine months or so. Over a year, I think, actually. Um, in Bible studies, we've done Galatians. We've done the book of Job. We've done Daniel and Revelation. We have this big um, kind of idea. We want to get through all of the books of the Bible between three to five years so that we teach the Bible um, to our congregation. Uh, and now we're going through Nehemiah. We actually did Genesis 2. We're going through the book of Nehemiah now through the summer. Um, so in, in the book of Nehemiah so far, we've seen that... Uh, the heart of this guy named Nehemiah breaks because he gets word from uh, the city of God, Jerusalem, that the walls around the city are broken, that things um, are not going smoothly, that people in his city are vulnerable to attack, that the God of gods is not being worshipped the way the God of gods ought to be worshipped. So Nehemiah says, Lord, what, what do I need to do? He pauses, he processes the loss, he grieves, he sits Shiva, which is mourn, in mourning for seven days in silence. And he says, Lord, give me a plan. Four months later, he's before the king doing his job, uh, bringing wine to the king. And the king says, why are you so sad? You can't hide your sadness. And Nehemiah says, why shouldn't I be sad? The, the walls around the city of my God, the walls around the city of my ancestors are broken. And so Nehemiah in that moment responds to a request from this, the king who says, what do you want? And he says, well, listen, actually... I've been pondering this for about four months. He doesn't say all that, right? He prays real quick and he says, well, this is what I need. I need a visa, basically, that will allow me safe passage from here, the citadel of Susa, to Jerusalem through all of the lands that you own and have conquered. King Artaxerxes. I also need a hall pass. And I also need a whole bunch of free timber and free bunch of stuff so that I can go ahead and build or rebuild the wall in Jerusalem. About 144 years prior to that, a guy named Ezra had uh, taken on the um, responsibility to build or rebuild the temple, which was also in ruins. Ezra had to stop short because of he got intimidated because of different legal red tape that was happening in his day. And the people around him were not thrilled that the Jewish people would rise to power. They were, again, that they would be protected, that they were no longer going to be subjects of the neighboring peoples around them. And so um, the Lord raises up Nehemiah 150 years almost later, and he gives him a task. 
Go back, rebuild the walls. It's easy for us to overlook the fact that the walls were not the primary thing in rebuilding uh, Jerusalem, right? It's easy, and it happens in, 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 in Christian circles. We get to uh, our social justice issues, right? And we get to talking about the widows, and we get to talking about the orphans, and we get to talking about uh, how can we... Um, reach those who are in, you know, in, in sexual slavery, that we neglect the gospel. The primary objective of Nehemiah was not to rebuild the walls. The primary of ne- objective of Nehemiah was to reestablish the city of God that was known for the worship of God. You get my drift? He wanted to reinstitute proper worship. That was the primary thing. The walls were just a part, a means to an end. The walls actually protected the temple and the city and those living inside of it. So while we're doing this, and while we're talking about rebuilding the walls here in Wissanoming and in the neighboring communities and wherever the Lord has called you to, let's not lose sight that the main thing is the main thing, that God be glorified, that God be worshipped. Because it's easy to lose sight because there's so many hurting people. There's so many broken systems, right? And we've talked about the pipeline from school system to prison, Right? The $400 million building that people are voting to put in our city, right, that would, hose, uh, that would uh, house many, of, many prisoners. But it's easy to get distracted talking about the prisons and talking about the school system. Ultimately, prisons nor school systems save us. Only the God of God can save us. The Lord of Lord can save us. Our Savior and King No one else, Jesus. And until Jesus returns, we're going to have to work within broken walls to some degree, within broken systems. Right? And and, and within those broken systems, within those weakened places, That's where the Lord wants to show himself to be strong. Amen? I wanted to share something with you guys this morning. Some of you guys already know this, and some of you guys have been asking me about this, so I wanted to share with you this morning. Um, This year would have been our seventh year doing our annual carnival. As, As some of you may know already, our permit for this year's carnival was denied. Yeah, some of you said, what? Yeah. Last year, we had about 1,440 people, all right, um, come. Uh, the largest event that we've ever had as, as Truvine. Um, we had about 150 volunteers. And how many of you guys have been to that event? All right. And we had a good run. The reason why the permit was denied was because there was a merger between the Philadelphia Department of uh, Rec and the Fairmount Park Commission 
And after the merger happened between the Philadelphia Department of Rec and the Park Commission, they came up with a new rule. The new rule said that events of this type, not of this magnitude, of this type, were not to be had at playgrounds. And this is a playground and not a park. We fought it. Let me tell you what happened. We fought it. We went to our local state reps. We went through the local council people and everything like that. Even they were unable to do anything about it. Um, so, what do we do? Right? We pout about it. We yell about it. We write some letters. Maybe in some cases we, we do and take some actions like that. But we sense that we had a good run, but that the Lord is not only the God who opens doors, but is also the God who closes doors. And we're not going to have a temper tantrum when the Lord chooses to close the door. We didn't take it the first time, right? We did our part. We went to the state reps. We went to the local representatives. We didn't just lay down when we heard the news. But after going through the appropriate channels, maybe God's in this. And he has another plan. And God is all-knowing, and his ways are not our ways. You know, his thoughts are not our thoughts. It's our job, you know, our philosophy of ministry is to bless Philadelphia. So we went back to the drawing board. We said, so what are we going to do this year? Uh, together with our advisory team, Curvin, and next week we'll, we'll, we'll announce everyone on that. And Angela, at the time, um, he says, so how can we bless this community? So this is what we have in mind. At the end of the summer, instead of at the beginning of the summer where we normally would have had this event, we want to throw a block party. And we want to bless the community. All right? And we're, and we're not going to allow... A, a closed door to keep us from moving in our calling to bless Philadelphia, moving in our purpose. Amen? Amen. So this is what I need from you guys. And I am going to get to preaching. But that's just the wall. Okay? I am going to get to preaching. What we want to do is we want to serve. And, and we've been talking with Naziha, who is our liaison with Lawton School, at the beginning of this of this. Uh, uh, series, I told you guys that um, we were going to uh, adopt Lawton School. We were going to try to connect with folks in the prison system um, and, and, and find other ways to bless folks here in Philadelphia. We've connected with Naziha. Naziha has connected us to the school, um, and we're going to serve the school in, in multiple ways. We want to put together a school supply drive. Do you guys know that we've, years, for years we've been doing that? And, and more and more people in Wissanoming, and we usually sh used to ship it down to Kensington and go down and, and, and give it out. It was a huge party. It was awesome. But that too, probably, we've sensed the Lord saying now, was seasonal. And that season is done. We want to bless people here at Wiss. And so Naziha's working on the numbers for, for backpacks for us to put together along with our partners outside of Truvon, but we're going to carry a lot of the load to put together backpacks to give away to kids in our own neighborhood. Mind you, I'm interested in blessing with Sonoma because I live here, right? 
I'm interested in blessing Philadelphia because I live here. This is the metropolis that the Lord has sent me to. I'm interested. If this area thrives, we thrive. Right? The Lord says, seek the shalom of the city. Because if shalom happens in the city, then you guys will, will do well as well. That's a Luis translation. All right? You will also prosper. If the city prospers, you're going to prosper. There's many people that have called this part of, uh, you know, have, have given up on this part of the city already. Right? But God has not given up on this part of the city. Right? God has not given up on this region. Right? And God's got some plans for us. And he's got some work for us to do. Amen? Are you guys with me? All right. Amen? You can clap. This is, we feel like this is the direction that the Lord is leading us. Here at Truvine, uh, we believe that the Lord has, this is the vision for us. For us to be a people who are missional, that means that are, are engaged, critically engaged where the Lord has us. Whether that's Wissanoming, Tacony, Holmesburg, uh, Willow Grove, wherever the Lord has, that, that you're being engaged, that you are alive at, in that community, um, and that you are uh, seeking to be a blessing to those around you. Amen? And we believe, and I'm only just going to stick with missional today, that God has an assignment for each one of us. But that God also has an assignment for us all together. All right? So our next assignment, one of our bigger assignments, is to bless the children in our school. Mind you, I don't have kids in that school, if, you, if that thought went through your head. My kid's not going to get a backpack. Okay? That's not the school. My kid's not of school age. And my little ones are only three weeks old. All right? My only interest is that this neighborhood would prosper. For me to be on mission with what God is already doing. For me to be a part of the change that I want to see so that that pipeline from, prison, from, from school to prison, I want, I want to throw a rock in it. I want, to, I, want to, I want to dent it up. I want to do something. I want to redirect it. I want to pray that thing away. So God's up to something, right? Some of you are like, well, I, I don't live in Wiss. And I... Bless the people where you do live. Bless the neighborhood where you do live. But if this is your body, if this is your local church, this is what your local church is doing. So I'm asking you, even if you don't live in WIS, to join and link up arms with us. Because if WIS prospers, True Vine prospers. Amen? Some of you are like, you're taking too long to get to the, to, 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 to the word. And I'm... <laughs> I didn't even start yet, Eric. <laughs> so I want to I drop three things on you today. The first thing is that we're not where we're at by accident. That you're not where you, you are planted, even though you may want to leave, that you may want to go, that you have tried many times to exit Stage left. That you're not there by accident. I'm going to show you with the word of God that, that these three statements are true. The second thing is that whatever we do, we're supposed to do it for the glory of God. 
If we rebuild the walls of the city, if we rebuild, if we join and link arms with the a school system, that we do that not so that the kids would get the blessing. That's secondary, but that God would get the glory, which is primary. So that people would ask, why are you guys doing this? And that we would have an answer and say, because God has been good to us. And because we love you. And he wants you to know that he sent his only son for you. And that this backpack, this starter school pack, right? Because we're all going to give them 10 pencils. That ain't going to last them the whole year. That their water is going to run dry. But you can drink of him and he will never run dry. His supply is endless. We're not going to pull the bait and switch on them. That's the plan from the rip. That's a plan from the get-go. You got it? Nehemiah's plan from the beginning was to restore the walls to protect what was inside of the walls, which was the temple and its people that were living around it. Don't lose sight of the ultimate mission due to the secondary mission. We want to bless our neighbors. But like I've said multiple times on multiple weeks, the church is not a social agency. The church is the bride of Christ who's on mission with him from Matthew 28, 19 through 20 to go and make disciples that make disciples of all nations, of all tongues, of all tribes, of all colors, of all creeds. That's right. To teach them about the love of God. To reach them with the love of God. To bless them with the love of God. To draw them in with the love of God. To dunk them with the love of God. I'll throw this out there. August the 1st is our church picnic. All right, put that on your calendars. For those that need to plan ahead, it's, it's in South Jersey again. All right, how many of you guys went last year to Camp FAC? It was fun, all right? It was awesome. We had so much food, it was ridiculous. All right, August 1st. Yeah, it, it's in Camp FAC. We will have rides. Um, so I'm, I'm enlisting Scott right now to drive the, the van if he's available. All right. So let me, show you, let me show you real quick where we're at as far as this is concerned. That, and that the Lord has called us to, that we're not where we're at by accident, that whatever we do, we do for the glory of God. And that if we start building... And this is where I want to end today, and I'm not ending just yet. We will start battling. That the enemy is not going to give up, right? Ground without trying to throw you some one-twos, some karate kicks. And without trying to put you on your butt. All right? So here we go. Let me just read this real quick. When Sambalot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, Sambalot was an enemy of Nehemiah, uh, an influential person that uh, uh, was in Jerusalem before Nehemiah got there, an opposer of Nehemiah. He became angry and greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. Somebody say ridiculed. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews, weak Jews doing? 
Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Now, the adversary, their uh, enemy, knew the primary thing. Do you see that? They understood that Nehemiah's job was not just to restore the wall. Nehemiah's job was to have the Jews uh, restore the worship of God the way God had called people to worship him in those days, which was through the offering of sacrifices. So your enemy and my enemy, and we'll get to this part, knows the real thing. And he's not going to stop at the secondary thing because he really wants to throw you off the primary thing. But too often, as believers, we allow the secondary thing to become primary and the primary thing to become secondary, if even on the map. Will they restore the wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble? The wall was broken, burned as they are. Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What are they building? Making fun of them. Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their walls of stone. Nehemiah now. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half of its height. For the people worked with all their heart. Say this with me. All their heart. But when Sambalot, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashid heard that the repairs to Jerusalem walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They were upset. They were tight. They were hot. Somebody say hot. hot. All right. It's warm in here. <laughs> they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. And this, I love this right here. But we prayed to our God, Nehemiah. And, somebody say and. and, posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. They did not just pray and hope something good was going to happen. They prayed and they sensed in that season that they were going to, that they were called to action. Now, sometimes in other places in the scriptures, the Lord says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Exodus 14, 14. Right. So sometimes it's time to engage and sometimes it's time to let the Lord fight. In other places in Scripture, it says the battle is not yours, but the Lord's. But sometimes the Lord wants to use us and win the battles through us and for us to become our own answers to the prayers that we pray. The Lord's calling us to his activity. Not every holy activity is, is the activity that God's calling us to do. But in this season, Nehemiah, their leader, discerned that they were to pray and set up a plan. Because he understood that he was not going to underestimate the enemy. First thing, we're not where we're at by accident. We're called to be on mission where we're planted. This is what Paul says uh, to, to unbelievers in Athens in Acts 17, 26. He says, from one man, he made all of the nations. 
that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. What does this mean? That God has appointed us for this time to be exactly where we're planted. Hold that thought. Okay? Venture over to Matthew 28, 18 through 20. So the Lord says, now, where you're planted, whether that's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, or the ends of the earth, Philly, fill in where you live at. Go make disciples that make disciples. The Lord's not interested in making converts. He's interested in in people that will follow him and be sold out to him and give him everything. That's the primary thing. That God would be worshipped, that God would be glorified, and that he would be lifted up. And that's what being missional means. So how do I join God where I'm at? Where he has appointed me to live the time in history he has appointed me to be in, the boundaries and the land that he's appointed me to rest my head at, how do I do what we see God doing and how do I join him on mission? First thing. So we're not where we're at by accident. Do you guys see that? Nehemiah was the man for the job. God appointed Nehemiah for that season, for such a time as that. And you are where you are because God had ordained it so. For such a time as this. Someone say such a time as this. And, and, and a lot of us, we've been looking for some significance, right? We've been looking for our assignment. We've been looking, God, what do you want me to do? Right? And we get lost and, you know, we think that the first thing we're going to do is the exact thing that God wants us to do for the rest of our lives. Sometimes God wants us to try a bunch of things till you figure it out. And he wants you to use this, this, this little D word called discernment. As believers, right, we want a lot of times, especially as new believers, for everything to come handed to us really quickly. The Lord has called you to struggle. The Lord has called me to struggle. But we want to be shielded from the struggle. We want to be shielded from from, um, that which causes us pain. And as leaders, sometimes I want to shield you from it too, but it is in that place, in that painful place, it's in that place of struggle where where the Lord shows you what you're made of, where the Lord shows you your true identity, that you are a warrior, that you're not one that gets stepped over, that you are more than a conqueror, that he's given you everything you need for life and godliness on this side of heaven. And it's hard, you know, and listen, man. As unbelievers, right? People that don't believe and that don't know the Lord, sometimes it might be hard. Why why does God cause and inflict pain? So much pain. 
But that's, that question is valid, right? But it's so much easier to blame God than it is for us to, to take human responsibility and then for us to really see what's happening. Sin is a real thing. And because of sin, systems are broken. Because of sin, people are broken. And because of sin, people violate others. That wasn't God's intention. It's never God's intention for this person to sin against this other person. Maybe you've been carrying your entire life the perception or this anger that God did this to you, this painful thing to you. It wasn't God. Now, sometimes God will put you in the furnace. But like Daniel and his homies, he's right in there with you. Because he wants to purify you through the fire. But some of us look at the fire, Warren Wiersbe says, and we learn this in the book of Job, is some of us go through the fire and get burned. Some of us go through the fire and get purified. Your attitude determines which is which. Whether you become bitter in the fire or you become better in the fire. Are you with me? You tracking still. I'm not negating the pain. I'm not negating the brokenness. I'm not negating that things happen. Because things do happen. It happened to everyone. And I've, I've said this many times before. Everybody you know is a lot of times is fighting a significant battle that you may not know anything about. And everyone has, a lot of times, different defense mechanisms, right? This wasn't an emotional healing sermon, but I don't know. Different, different defense mechanisms we put up because life has taught us to put those things up for self-preservation. But maybe today the Lord is saying to you, and I believe he is to some of you, you can lay your self-preservation down. I got you. I love you. And yes, your life's a mess, but let's clean it up together. God doesn't wait for you to clean up your mess in order for him to go to work. The messiest of jobs, that's right where you can find him. The school system is a really messy job here. We don't know where this is going to take us. We haven't even reached the surface. We're not even scratching it. We just have one liaison at Lawton School. We don't know where that's going to lead us. But we're going to bless and not curse. And we'll go with what the Lord has. Amen? And whatever we do, we're due for the glory of God. We see this uh, in Nehemiah 
the reason why um, Nehemiah takes this to heart, now he was already committed to rebuilding the walls, but once he gets to, the, to Jerusalem, he hears that God's name is being profane, that people are making fun of the Lord as they make fun of the church and as they make fun of our God, right? That, that his name, that the name of the Lord was on the line. And he says, you know what? Our God will not go down like this. And we will lift up the name of our God in the midst of this rubble, in the midst of this pain, in the midst of this distortion of truth. We will say that God is still worthy to be worshipped, worthy to be praised. And everything that they decided that they were going to do to the glory of God. Nehemiah 1, 3, 2, 17, 4, 4. Colossians, Paul says it to the church of Colossae like this. Whatever you do, do your work heartily. Ask for the Lord rather than for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is Lord Jesus Christ that you serve. We're not in the results business. You know, the people in Nehemiah's day understood that they were poor, that they were weak, that they were feeble, that... In earthly terms, they were not going to be able to make very much of a difference. But they had faith and they had God on their side. And they rebuilt the walls in spite of opposition. And they made a difference. In that season, they were faithful to that season. Amen? Amen. Lastly, if we start building, we're going to start battling. Stole that from Wearsby. Amen? If we start building, we're going to start battling. God is... um, reminding us this morning that coming out on the other side of this is not going to be easy, but we will come out. That the enemy has his uh, between his crosshairs, but the father has us in his arms. That greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That he has not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love and a power and a sound mind. That neither height nor depth, neither what is or what is to come, can separate you from his love. Amen. Let's go back real quick to to this slide real here, right here, so you could see kind of the enemy's tactics. The Lord reminds us in Scripture, and and I'm going to wrap up soon because I want us to pray. I want us us to get to praying. Um, That we're not called up to focus on the enemy, but neither ignore the enemy either, right? We're not supposed to be ignorant of the devil's schemes, right? 
that the enemy is present and that he's like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But that God's got us in the palm of his hand and no one can take us out. And this says, uh, when Sambalot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and greatly incensed. Anger, all right? He ridiculed the Jews. He made fun of the Jews. Christians are ridiculed all the time. You believe in this phony baloney stuff. In fact, I used to ridicule Christians. I used to ridicule my mom. I used to ridicule other believers when they were believing. It's like, this stuff is crazy. This is for weak people. And the, and the, the truth of the matter is that it is. The gospel is for the weak. It's not for the strong. It's for the foolish. It's not for the wise. It's those who do not have it all together. Right? And that's a reminder for some of us, right? Who want to kind of rub the gospel with some antiseptic potion. The gospel is for the grimy, the dirty, the, the, the down and out, the misfits, the cannot do it on their own types. Anybody. So he ridiculed them. That's one of the enemy's schemes, ridicule. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, in the army, Ridicule and intimidation. The enemy wants to ridicule us and intimidate us. But like Mike Plunkett said, right, and that's my old pastor, he said, the enemy is a roaring lion, but the Lord has taken his teeth and all he's got is a roar. What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? The enemy will bring doubt and discouragement. So as we get on this, right, and I said this weeks ago, we want to get on this, and we don't know how long we will be on this track. Long after Nehemiah is over, I hope. Are those my girls? Oh. <laughs> long after Nehemiah is, gone, is, is over as far as preaching it. We're in this for the long run. And do not be surprised when uh, the people around us try to ridicule us or, or the systems around us try to ridicule us. Let me clean that up. Or, or, or we're intimidated by a letter that says we can't do this or that. We'll find something else to do. Where doubt and discouragement try to creep in. Because those are the enemy's tactics. And those are the enemy's schemes. And that's why the, the Lord calls us not to be ignorant to the fact. Check this out. Paul to the, to the church of Corinth, he says, For though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. 
The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. If it's got flesh and blood, it's not your enemy. Right? Stole that one from Jim. It's got flesh and blood, it's not your enemy. Right? So stop looking at people that look just like you, that put on their pants one leg at a time just like you as they're the problem. But it's that thinking that keeps you in bondage. It's that thinking that keeps us in bondage and we're dragging this chain and ball and ball and chain of unforgiveness and you're not actually praying, right, for the right issues You're praying against your brother or your sister who has and is a carrier of the image of God. As thwarted and perverted as that person may or may not be. If it has flesh and blood, it's not your enemy. You're dealing with a bigger enemy. You're dealing with powers, rulers, principalities, authorities. And to some of you, this might be new stuff. Right? You're, de- you're dealing with, with demonic activity that the Lord has given you power over. But he's distracting you with fighting your brother or your sister. And you're still caught up in the brother and the sister drama when he's actually asking you to pray in the heavenlies for the real thing. And so, yes, the school system is broken. Yes, uh, there's, there's biased policing here in America and here in, the, in, our, in our city. Yes, there's racism that's rampant. And yes, there's a lot of isms. But there's a spirit behind each ism. And that's why Nehemiah prays and prepares for battle. And the Bible is clear. It says that our battle is not with flesh and blood. You're stuck if your battle is against flesh and blood. If you're working for a breakthrough, you're praying for a breakthrough, and you're trying to turn the will of somebody, you're praying the wrong prayer. Lord, I pray against the spirit of bitterness in this person. I pray against the the, the, uh, twisted spirit of perversion in this person, not you. (laughs) You know, whoever... (laughs) I pray, I pray, Lord, uh, against the spirit of poverty uh, that my boss has, that he doesn't want to give me a raise. I pray against this angry spirit that my spouse has. Right? There's this angry, anger spirit, right? And that's when you actually start knocking on the door. And that's when you actually start praying the Lord wants you, the way the Lord wants you to pray. Because you're actually praying for what... The primary thing is, but you're stuck on the secondary. We're stuck on what we can see. You cannot actually see the, pro- the, the, the cause 
that causes the problems that we actually face each day. And that's why the Lord has given us authority to pray. Somebody said, why did I go to church today? I got more than I bargained for. <laughs> I got more than I bargained for today. But the, the, the reality is this. The reality is this. You cannot unknow what you already know. So now you're responsible. So when we pray, and this is what we're going to do, we're going to pray right now. All right? So what I want to do is what we're going to pray is um, you pray for the right thing. You pray for the right thing. Pray for, for the, the, the cause issue. We pray for God to be glorified in whatever it is that we're doing. Right? And you take spiritual authority, the authority that God has given each and every one of us, and we exercise it. And we don't fall for the devil's schemes of ridicule. Oh, what are people going to say if I start praying at my job for my lunch? We don't fall for the intimidation, right? We don't fall for the doubt. We don't fall for the discouragement. Because we, we recognize that we have a mission. And that even if it kills us, we're going to stay on task. And in fact, death should not scare us because the Lord calls us to die. That's the gospel. And guess what? You cannot do this on your own. You never could. You never will. If you're trying to do this Christian thing on your own, I guarantee you're tired. I guarantee you feel guilty. I guarantee you're running on fumes and I guarantee you're about ready to throw in the towel because you have not fully handed your life over to the Holy Spirit because you're still trying to do life on your terms. Jesus is not your Lord. He's your role model. And role models have no authority. They only have influence, whatever influence you give them. But Jesus wants to be the Lord of your life. Not just a statue you keep somewhere hidden or or a sticker on, on your bumper of your car. Amen? All right. I feel like God is, is calling us to pray. All right? And we want to be on mission. All right? So find... Find about three or four people around you and gather, and then I'll give you instructions. All right, get up. Find about three or four people, and we'll pray for a few minutes, and I'm going to give you some further instructions. All right? As you're doing that, I'm going to review this. We're not where we're at by accident. Whatever we do, we're going to do for the glory of God, and if we start building, we're going to start battling. All right? These are prayer points that I want us to... uh, to pray right where we're at, all right? As we dig down and as we jump on mission with God, that whatever we do, we do to the glory of God, all right? With this thing that we're going to try to do, we have not made very much movement on this yet. We're at the very beginning stages because we want to bathe this entire thing in prayer, all right? 
If God does something, we want God to get the glory for it. Amen? For the permit. For the gospel to be loosed here. Whatever spirit that does not want the gospel to move forward in our neighborhood, we want to cancel that right now in the name of Jesus. And we pray for the gospel spirit, for the spirit of freedom to prevail. For partnerships, for the Lord to loose partnerships for this. All right? For the manpower, for people's hearts to turn so that they want to jump on board and do this. And we want to pray against the enemy schemes. All right? And whatever else the Lord leads you to pray as far as it concerns us building the kingdom of God here in Wissanoming, specifically through the, um, uh, the block party at the end of the summer. All right? Ready? Go. want you to be glorified. We want our neighborhood to know that you are king and God. We want our region to know that you are king and God. Lord, send your Holy Spirit. Send your power, Lord. You are the difference maker. Lord, loose that permit in the name of Jesus. We pray for favor with the authorities. And we pray against any spirit that doesn't want your gospel to go forward. That doesn't want us to move in our individual assignments. That doesn't want us to move in our corporate assignment. Loose the resources, God. 
Lord, we pray against the spirit of poverty that says we can't give. We don't have anything. We pray, Lord, that we would partner with you, Lord, to bless the city, Lord. You guys can bring it all in. Find your seat. We'll dismiss in a little bit. All right. Lord, we take this time, Lord, and we um, we say, Jesus, come. We say, Jesus, come, and and Lord, we we bathe this from top to bottom in prayer. Lord, we pray for all of the logistics. Lord, and we pray for your gospel to go forward. Lord, for you to be raised and lifted up in our neighborhoods. We stand against the schemes of the enemy, and we know there are many, but we stand specifically today against the spirit of humiliation. We stand against the spirit of intimidation. We stand against the spirit of doubt. We stand against the spirit of discouragement. And we say that those spirits have no authority to function here in Jesus' name. But we do lose the spirit of courage, the spirit of love, the spirit that says that our God is greater and stronger than anything that the enemy may be trying to throw at us. And we lose the spirit of encouragement that says that he that began a good work in us will bring it to completion. Some of you, the Lord is bringing you specifically today to a new measure of, of, of what he has for you. There's some breakthrough that you got. And that breakthrough is not for you. It's for you to give away. Amen. God has a plan for your lives. And um, he has an assignment specifically for each one of you. But he has an assignment for us corporately as a church. Amen. And, and this is our next assignment corporately. Uh, there's going to be many assignments along the way throughout the summer. But, um, but we'll be calling on a, view, a lot of you. We'll be calling on you to use your gifting. Um, so that's what we'll do. Amen? Bless you, man. All right, stand up and let me bless you guys, and, and we'll wrap up. Put your arms out like you're receiving something. All right. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he would send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and keep you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into these doors. All right. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Amen. All right.